Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Hi, uh, my name is Will. I serve here on the worship band. I play guitar. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to get pulled up real quick. Alrighty. Today, we, we, we will be reading from John uh, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Father, we thank you for this time. We can come and worship you, and thank you for your love that you have given us. And Father, I pray that we would just see you today would see how great your love is, and the result would be, Father, that we would love you back, we would love others, and we would make disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Mark Stevens. My wife Barbara and I have been going here about three and a half years, and uh, before we We're here in Richmond. We were 22 years overseas as missionaries with the International Mission Board. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is continuing the series of God Gives. And uh, this week we're going to look at God Gives Love. And so this is, uh, I've been really excited about sharing this because this is something God did in my own life, showing what, what it meant of Him giving love and what that means for us in giving love. I thought I'd first start with a story of uh, one of the guys that we worked with in the Philippines. We, we were missionaries several different places, but the first place was the Philippines. And I'll tell you the story of Dex. A few of you have heard this story before. But Dex was one of the uh, Filipino missionaries that we were working with, helping train them how to go out and to plant churches, begin in new areas. And Dex was actually focused in, in, a, in a Muslim area, and he was trying to reach this Muslim area. And he was going up in there, and there was a war going on, though, between in this Muslim area. The Muslims not only fighting the government, they were also fighting themselves. There was two uh, Muslim groups who were actually fighting each other. One was kind of a terrorist group, and one was just a normal Muslim group. But they were fighting, and the war had really taken a lot of toll on the people there. So... Um, they were all tired of the war and were wanting to have a peace pact in the war. And, but they have a really strange custom there. In order to end the war and have a peace pact and for it to seal, you had a negotiator who uh, helped get a peace pact, but then to seal the peace pact, you kill the negotiator. Okay, who wants to be the negotiator? Well, Dex volunteered to be the negotiator. And Dex was a young man, and he had a young child, had a young wife, and we're like, Dex, you know, let, I mean, somebody else, but not you. I mean, you're young. You have a young child, a baby. And uh, he's like, no, I really feel like the Lord's told me to do this. And so he did negotiate a peace pact between the two rival Muslim groups. And... Um, it came the day before they were going to seal the peace pack, and they said, okay, tomorrow we're going to seal it, and he knew what that meant. He said, okay, let me go home and say goodbye to my wife and my mother, and, and I'll be back. 
and they didn't really think he would come back, but he came back. And it was culture, so he did not die, just to relieve everybody. Um, they actually decided the two commanders of the two groups had got together the night before and decided if he came back, they would consider him as dead by giving him the two pistols. So they didn't kill him, praise the Lord. Um, but what happened in the midst of that was after the ceremony where they actually sealed the peace back, and it did hold, actually the result was as the war moved back a whole province. And those two groups stopped fighting with each other. After the ceremony was over, uh, the commander of the terrorist group um, pulled Dex aside and said, uh, I know that you love my people. I see that you were willing to die. You've done all these great things helping. We had done a lot of projects up in there. Um, and he said, um, I've told all my commanders over all the different areas that you have free access. You can go anywhere you want in these areas. And you, and you can bring your religion. And what began then was the start of uh, these Muslims coming to faith in Christ. And actually the nephew of that guy was the first to come to faith in what eventually would be several churches planted in that area. Why did Dix do that? Why, why would, that's just crazy, right? Why, why would he do that? Yeah, because Jesus, God has loved us so much that that's the natural response we see. And this is what we see in our verse today. Um, it's a new command that I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It actually shows a true disciple of Jesus is this love. But this love comes from where? It's just as I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. He said, just as I have loved you, so love one another. But how has Jesus loved us? Well, we, we know that story of Jesus dying on the cross. But, but think about that. Because of our sin, we can't come in the presence of a holy God. We were created for a relationship with God. He wants to have a relationship with us, but he is a holy God also. And so as a result, even one sin is repelled out of the presence of God. So even we see in the Garden of Eden, you know, Adam and Eve commit one sin and they're separated from God. And so we know that our sin, the wages of sin is death. We should, it should be the right penalty for when we do things wrong, when we, what's called sin, when we do anything that's opposed to what God has said, that we should, the, res, the right result of that is death. And then if that is never paid for before we die, then the result is an eternal death in hell. And that's, that's what we deserve. It's the greatest problem in the world is lostness. Because you can have all these other problems, and when you die, they go away. But lostness, meaning that when people are lost and separated from God, when we die, there's an eternal lostness, a separation from God. And there's not, not anything we can do to get back with God. So God himself, as we know in John 3.16, right? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him 
will not perish, but have eternal life. And so what God has given us is love. He has loved us so much that he sent Jesus, God the Son, to die in our place, to take our penalty, because the penalty is death, and so he took our death for us so that we don't have to live in that for eternity, perish, as you use in John 3, 16. But the idea here is that God loves us. He, he would sacrifice for us. And think about in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it talks about, it was in the context of having our mindset like Jesus and that we would have, think of others' needs above our own. They, it, talking about Jesus, he was God and he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And he was born in the likeness of man. And then he humbled himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. And what, what does the cross represent? At that time, when someone died on a cross, it was, it was not only a death, but it was a humiliating and excruciating death. So he not only was willing to die for us, but an excruciating and humiliating death, that he would do that to pay for our sins so that we could come back into relationship with God. First uh, Peter says that he died the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God, to bring us back in relationship with God. So he who was righteous took our place, who was unrighteous, so that we could come back in relationship with God. That's the gospel, right? That's God's love for us. And when did he do this? It says in Romans 5 that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even when we were doing evil and bad, he still loved us. And think about even those that are crucify, were crucifying Jesus. They were spitting on him. They were beating him. They're crucifying him. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even those people he's dying for so that they could be saved. And that's the great thing about the gospel, is the gospel means good news. There was bad news in that we were separated from God, but the good news is that Jesus has died for our sin, paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be restored in our relationship with God, our, pen, our sins paid for. And this is why, like in Ephesians, it talks about Paul's praying for the Ephesians that they would know the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth of the love of God. Because I, sometimes I don't think we just comprehend just how vast and great is the love of God. That He's given us, God has given us this love. We are, as in Ephesians it talks about, that He has made us a child of God that our sins are forgiven, even our trespasses, that the trespasses are sins that we knew we, they were wrong and we did them anyway. God has forgiven us of those sins. And he is now, he took the righteous for the unrighteous, he took our sin on him so that now we have the righteousness of God. And now when God sees us, he sees us in Christ, and he sees it that we are holy and blameless before him. Isn't that an incredible thought? 
I mean, I don't feel holy. I don't feel blameless. I know my own sin. We all do, right? But that's how he sees us because of what Jesus has done for us. Isn't that incredible? When you think about that, I mean, God loves you. God loves me. There is, there is nothing, it says in Romans, that can separate us from the love of God. It says, can heights or depths or life or death, and it goes into all these different lists, is can anything separate us from love? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God loves you. He loves me. He wants us to know how much he loves us. And he has then, as it says in Ephesians also, he's lavished his grace on us. And he gives us this grace. Even in the midst of when it seemed like things are going wrong, he still gives us grace. And this, this is God's love for us, that he's given it to us as a gift. This is the gift that he's given us. And that's incredible. And what's, when we really grasp this, that changes who we are. Because when we really grasp the love of God, then what does it cause us to do? We want to love Him back, right? So love God. And then we love others in the same way. So love God, love others. What do you think is coming next? Make disciples. It's our theme, right? Love God, love others, make disciples. That's the response. The response, though, is to God's love. And what he's done for us. Those are, as we truly internalize and really understand the love of God for ourselves, then we can love others. And that's what we see here. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. This now actually is the defining characteristic of a disciple, a Christian a disciple of Christ, that we love others. And this is why Dex was willing to even lay down his life for others. Because love is not a feeling that we have, or we feel good about it, so therefore we do it. But love is a looking at another person and saying, what do they need? And meeting their need, even above our own need, even no matter their response. And this is what we see that Dex did. That's true love, right? Think about that. Love does what's best for the other person. No, even if it, no matter what I need, I'm doing what's best for the other person, no matter their response. What if they respond badly in, in hate or whatever? That's what was happening on the cross. They're spitting on him, they're beating him, and what's Jesus doing? He's loving them. By dying for their sin. That's love. And that's uh, what we see is that God has called us to do. In the same way that he is loved, it's called agape love. It's sacrificial love. In the same way he has loved us, then we love others. It uh, tells us in Luke 6, 27 to 28, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who abuse you. That's a different kind of love. But that's only a love that can come from God. Uh, some of you know that when we were in the Philippines, we were in a bombing. 
And um, one of my mentors was killed in that bombing. Nathan almost died, our son, in the bombing. Uh, the man who was killed, his name was Bill Hyde. His wife, Lynn, put up a sign over where the bomb had gone off that said, Filipinos are worth dying for. And she stayed for four more years in order to minister to Filipinos. That's, that's crazy love. That, that You just don't do that on your own. Actually, love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's once you have the Spirit of God and you surrender to the Spirit, then the Spirit produces in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the different fruits of the Spirit, right? But love is a result of the Holy Spirit in our life. We can only really do that because of God. But you know what happened? Later, when we went to our next country after the Philippines, I was talking with one guy. We, we were in a country that had several terrorists. And uh, 17 of the terrorists, by the way, came to faith in Christ. Uh, and uh, I was talking to one of the guys one day and asked him, was asking why he became a terrorist and all that. But he, he said, uh, he was telling me about it. And I was like, I was like, do you, you by chance, because he was part of a, when he mentioned the cell he was a part of, I was like, do you by chance know the bombing that happened in the Philippines in 2003? He said, yes. He said, I helped finance it. So I realized I was talking to the guy who helped finance the bombing that killed my mentor and almost killed our son, Nathan. I'm not telling you I didn't have some emotion inside, okay? I did. But when I, actually, it was, that was on a break, because I was actually there, we'll, we'll call him Jibril, that's not his real name, but we'll call him Jibril. I was talking to Jibril and his wife, and the reason I was there is they had asked for my help because they had become believers, and they had been planting churches in that country, and they wanted to send missionaries from their network of churches that had been planted. And so my job was to help them in sending missionaries, their own missionaries. And so there was like on a break, and so we go back in, and the next thing we're doing is worship. And so we had a praise time, and I'm sitting next to Jabril and his wife. And the Lord just overwhelmed me with his love, what he had for me. And I, and I just had love for Jibreel, which only can come from the Holy Spirit, right? As to love others. But I got to work with Jibreel, and I got to see him send missionaries, his network of churches. That's the love of God. There's nobody outside the love of God. You cannot sin too much and get outside the love of God. If a terrorist who killed people and who financed others being killed can come to faith in Jesus and find that love in Jesus and totally God changes his life, we can find that too. And by the way, did you know that you were a part of that in actually reaching Jibril? What we do as churches, we're part of a group of churches of Baptists who come together and we cooperate together, but especially once a year we have an offering to help in our mission work overseas. It's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. It's going on right now. You've seen it on, on the newsletters coming out. 
but that actually is what supports our missionaries and what supports the missionary work overseas. It's, that money is, can only be used overseas. Uh, and so that's that Lottie Moon Christmas offering is going on right now, but I know several of you have given to that before, and so you were part of Jibril coming to faith. You're a part of not only of sending of missionaries from our place, like the Smileys, that's how the Smileys are, are how they get paid, is through that offering. That's how they're supported. Uh, but all the missionaries that go, you're, you're part of that as, as we give together, as we work together in giving. So I, I just mentioned that because I know we're in the middle of the time when we give for what we call Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Lottie Moon was a, 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 a missionary sent out by Baptist who died on Christmas Eve. And because she basically had starved herself to death of taking care of everybody else. And so in honor of her, it's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, a way of giving a gift to Jesus on his birthday, of supporting what he desires that everybody around the world would know the love of Christ. So that's, that's, that's part of what we do. But I want us to think through this for you personally, even right now where you are. You're supposed to love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Does it feel good to do good to those who hate you? Not when you begin, right? Later on afterwards, it, it does. But people who are hating you and who are wronging you and doing things bad to you, what is our response? It's to love them. It's to do good for them. And that's not an easy thing, but... So who is it in your life right now who's wronged you? Can you forgive them? What can you do? I want us to really think of this as an application. What can you do? Think of someone who's wronged you. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's a neighbor. I don't know who it is. But whoever the Lord brings to mind, what can you do to show love to them? And sometimes it's hard, especially if people have been wronging us, but we give that to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is the one who produces that love in our lives, allows us to be able to do that. But think about Jesus. Do you think that Jesus, when he went to the cross, did he have a feeling of, oh goody, I get to do this? We know in the garden exactly what he felt. What did he feel? He's like, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. He didn't want to have to do it, but there was no other way. It's not the feeling inside. If we base everything on our feelings, we don't end up doing the right things, right? So it's not a feeling. Love is not a feeling, even though there's a song that says love's a secondhand emotion, right? Uh, but it's not a feeling. It is a choice that we make. It is a commitment that we make. To love someone and do something good for them, no matter our own need and no matter their response. It's just what's best for them. Think about this with kids. I mean, those of you who have kids, no matter what you need, if a kid is crying in the middle of the night and you need sleep, it doesn't matter what you need. They're just going to yell, right? So you do what's best for them, no matter your need and no matter how they respond. And that that is agape love. That is God-given love, where we love others in that way. So who has wronged you? 
How can you love them? Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. If someone's wronged you, can you forgive? It's hard. I know I struggled in my own life with... uh, You know, I can still think back, and if I close my eyes, I can feel my mom's hand coming into my face and hitting me. My glasses going across the room and blood coming down my nose when I was a kid. But I forgave my mom. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. (laughs) But when you give it to the Lord, then the Lord does those things, right? Because he's loved us so much. This is the only way we can do that is he, God has given us his love so that we can love. Who has hurt you? Who has caused you pain? Who's wronged you? How can you love them? Thinking of what they need even no matter what their response is. That we, you might have a complaint, as this said in Colossians 3, against someone, but we forgive. And this is the type of love that we mentioned before in Philippians 2, that we are supposed to model what Christ did for us. Thinking of others' needs above our own. This is what I've noticed in my own life. If we begin focusing on our own needs, what actually happens? We feel miserable. And this is actually what the world tells us. Just focus on you. You need you time. And folk, just have me time, right? And I, my needs aren't being met. So therefore, I need to focus on my needs. Well, what's the result of that? You just feel miserable. Because actually, when we love others it actually causes us to feel good. And when we're focused not on ourselves, but focused on others, it changes us. So think about this. Think about this in marriage. Is everything in marriage hunky-dory? Just always good, right? Absolutely, right? Okay. Well, I have a wonderful wife. I truly have a wonderful wife. I do. I mean, y'all know. Okay, I really do. But I don't always have all the feelings all the time, right? But I know how much she loves me. She actually is who taught me what it meant to love. I didn't understand it because of my past. I didn't understand it until I met Barbara. Okay? But sometimes we don't agree. Okay? So when the feelings are gone, does that mean I just don't love her anymore? No. Love is a choice. It's a commitment to each other. So in marriage, we love the other person. And actually, as you start loving the other person, actually the feelings come back. And their response sometimes is not always what we want. But love is thinking about what they need even above ourselves. And no matter what their reaction is. 
Love is patient. You know, know this, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrong. I tell you, uh, when I first got married, I did not understand this, especially this keep record of wrong thing, okay? I would tell Barbara the things that she was doing wrong. Uh, that, that really goes well, I can promise you. That's sarcasm. Um, but as Colossians if someone you have a complaint against someone to forgive. We're, when you get married... You're going to see the best and the worst of another person. And we're all sinners. (laughs) We're saved by grace, but we're all sinners. And so we have to let go of those things and think about the other person. We have to be patient and kind. And how do you do that? It's really only as you, you start having these feelings of, Desires of frustration, and you have to give it to the Spirit. And then the Spirit produces in you the fruit of the Spirit. That's where you get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those only come as a result of the Spirit in our life. And so that's how we begin living. It's only the Holy Spirit that really does this, that we can live like that. But that's what separates Christians from everybody else, is that we love and that is what makes, that's what shows us to be his disciples, is that love. Guys, especially being married, you know, in Ephesians, it talks about wives submit, but husbands have to love. And it uses this agape term. It means you have to give up of yourself. It's not just about a feeling. It's a giving up of yourself for somebody else. And so that's a, I always thought, well, man, I'd rather just submit. I mean, submit's easier than love. That's that's my thought, at least, anyway. Submit, you can still be angry about it. Love, you've got to actually think of them. But we love God, and we have that response of just pouring out and worship to him and loving him back. We love others, and that's what we see here. But the greatest way that we can show love to people is to make disciples. Share the gospel. That's the most loving thing because the world's greatest problem is lostness. The people are lost and separated from God. The best thing we can do for them is share the gospel, the good news of the gospel with them so that they can be reconciled to God. That's the most loving thing we can do. And so that's why we do what's called the Great Commission, the Matthew uh, 28, 18. We go, we're sharing the gospel, but we make disciples, people who look like Jesus. We're helping them become more and more like Jesus. And we do that around the world. The, the, the Great Commission actually is to go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups. The word there is pantata ethne, so it's ethnic groups. Every ethnic group, we want them to hear the the love of God. Sometimes it's hard. You know, we lived as missionaries for 22 years. It's not an easy life. Been talking to the smileys. It's not easy <laughs> to live as a missionary. We need desperately need more missionaries. There's actually 3,000 ethnic groups who have never heard the gospel. 
We don't have believers. We had the privilege in uh, one of the countries we lived in to be to see the very first believers ever in an ethnic group and a people group. What a glorious thing! But it was hard to live there. <laughs> it's not easy, and we need more missionaries. But we can do it right here, around here too. You know, what's the really surprising thing is we've been now training new missionaries. One of the things we take them into Richmond and help them practice things that they're going to need overseas. But we partner with churches, and some of them always partner with the way. But as we go into Richmond and we share the gospel, you know the things that's really surprised me? How many people are lonely and want to hear the gospel? I expected, and my thinking was, is that people don't really want to hear it. And I think that's a lie from Satan that he tells us. There are so many people that have actually come to faith as People have gone out sharing the gospel here in Richmond, here in Short Pump. Did you know that every second, so second, two people die and go to hell around the world? Two more, two more, two more, two more. Those are all the people who die, but it's those who die who've never had the chance to hear the gospel, so we know that they're not believers, which means they are going to hell, the eternal separation from God. But we have the good news so that they could be saved. And do you know how many ethnic groups are just here in Short Pump? There's a bunch. And there are so many people. I was shocked because recently when we went out sharing, I was talking with one person, and they had never heard the gospel before. In short pump. One of the greatest things we can do, the greatest thing we can do is share the gospel with folks. Y'all know my story of, and I would grow up as a pastor's kid. I thought I was a good person. Actually, was even preaching some, but I wasn't saved. Because I realized that though I'd heard the gospel my whole life, if you'd asked me, if I was standing before God, why would you let me into heaven? I would have, been, I would have said, well, because I'm a good person. And all the things I would have been about me. And that's not how we're saved. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. The only thing that can save us is what Jesus has done. And there was a time in my life then that I truly understood what Jesus did for me. And I trusted what Jesus did. Before I knew about Jesus, I believed in Jesus but I didn't trust in that what Jesus did is what took away my sin and saved me. And that's when I was really saved. And it changed my life because that's when we receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit then helps us. But there's a lot of people, I think, around Richmond who call themselves Christians who may not actually be saved because they've never truly trusted in what Jesus has done for them. And so we need to tell. I mean, you think about people in your own family. Think about your neighbors. Think about people around us here that we can share the gospel. We need to make disciples. So I want to have a time here of just reflection and application. And I want you to think, how can I love God if all that he's done for me and loved me? One way we're going to do that in a minute is we're going to stand and worship. The reason we worship is to say back to him who he is and all that he's done for us. And we're just giving of ourselves 
to him. That's worship. So that's one way we, we can respond is in worship. But I want you to think too, what are, who's some people who hurt you or some people that you know that need something that you could do something for them? So I want you to think in your mind, the Lord will bring people to your mind. Who's that person or persons in your own mind who you need to love? It may be your spouse, maybe your family, maybe a neighbor, a coworker, an enemy. Think of someone. What are you going to do? Because we want to be not just hearers of the word, but doers also, right? And so God... It was a command, he said, a new command I give you. This is a command that we are to love others. It's based on what he's done for us, but we are to love, the sacrificial love. So what will you do this week specifically for somebody else that shows them love, no matter their response and no matter your need, but you're doing it because they need it? And who can you share the gospel with this week? I'm going to invite the band to go ahead and come back up. But I want a time of silence before I pray here and before we have our response. I just want a moment of silence. And I want you to really think how to apply this in your life. Who is that person that you need to love this week? What specifically are you going to do? Let the Lord bring a person or persons to your mind. Who's that person who needs to hear the gospel? Who can you share with this week? We're going to have a time of response. Our response is to this love that God has given us. God gives love. If you've never received his love, truly believed in him, that's a response you need to do. Today is the day you need to be saved. We're going to have a time of response in a minute, and when the band starts singing, I'll pray, and then the band will sing. We're going to have people at the side to pray with you. If you've never truly trusted God fully, walk over to one of the guys on the side. There'll be three of them over there, people over there. And talk with them. Today is the day of salvation. Make sure that you've done that. But you respond to uh, just worship. Stand and worship. So some will be just standing up as the band sings and will worship. Some will walk over. Some of you just might need prayer. That's why we have the prayer team. You might be saying, I want to forgive somebody. I just am struggling. And, and I need help. And sometimes we need the body of Christ to help us come along and help us in that. And so just walk over to the prayer team. Let them pray with you, help you, okay? I don't know, maybe that the person you need to love is in this room, and you just need to go somebody else and apologize or pray together. I don't know what your response would be, but I want us to respond to the love of God in worship and loving Him, loving others, and making disciples. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. You 
Give us exceedingly more than anything we could ask or imagine. Father, your love is so great, we can't even fathom the depth and the height and the width and the breadth of it. And Father, I pray that each of us here, Father, would you would just, sh- in our hearts, show us more deeply, internalize your love in our hearts, Father. And Father, help us in loving not only you, but others in making disciples. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer, or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.